Welcome to the Let's Talk Data podcast series presented by SAP. Hi, I'm Neil McGovern, Vice President of Marketing for SAP, and welcome to Let's Talk HANA, an oral history. Let's Talk HANA is a new series from the Let's Talk podcast that aims to explore the benefits of SAP HANA with a strong focus on customer business outcomes. We'll look at the unique advantages of HANA and the impact that these have had on customers, partners, and SAP itself. Later podcasts will focus more deeply on customers, partners, and SAP, but today we want to talk a little bit about where did HANA come from, why is it so important to our customers, and where is it going? With me today is Irfan Khan, who is president of the SAP platform and technologies business with responsibility for database, data management, and the analytics assets of the company, including SAP HANA. Of course, this is why we're here. Over the past decade, Irfan has held a series of senior executive positions across SAP. Um, Irfan and I joined SAP through the acquisition of Sybase 10 years ago. Um, Irfan was CTO at uh, Sybase. And when we joined uh, together, we thought we were joining a big applications company. And lo and behold, when we got here, we discovered they had this great new product, which was released in 2010. So HANA is 10 years old this year, called SAP HANA, which was quite revolutionary. And we're gonna talk a little bit about what that revolutionary aspects were. At Sybase, Irfan spent almost two decades in various leadership positions across engineering, marketing, and sales. Irfan holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Computer Science and the professional awards include recipient of the InfoWorld CTO Top 25 Award, along being, with being the published author of New Data Imperative, Managing Real-Time Risks in Capital Markets. Hi, uh, hi Irfan, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing very well, Neil. Thank you for that uh, quite long, but at the same time, uh, excruciating introduction. I mean, it seems like uh, you and I have been working together forever, but uh, when you pull it out like that, it seems like longer than ever. It seems like an eternity. We're getting old, mate. Yes, we are. <laughs> it's been a long time. You've done a lot. So it takes a long time to go through your brief bio. Uh, okay. So, uh, so as we said, we're talking about SAP HANA, and it celebrated its 10th birthday this year. It was released in 2010, the same year that Sybase was acquired by SAP. So for you, what, is, what, what makes HANA so revolutionary? What did, with all the experience both you and I had in the database market, why did both of us do a double take in 2010 when we saw what ha SAP and Hassel Platner had uh, delivered with this new product. Yeah, so Neil, maybe if I recollect now and the emotions more than anything else, moving into SAP, first and foremost thinking we're joining a, a tremendous applications company and just becoming very, very quickly familiarizing or familiarized with, with HANA, it became acutely evident, right, that these guys at SAP were actually were quite futuristic in their thinking around what databases should look like. So that was my first kind of abiding kind of emotion and, and remembering my kind of thought process around what SAP had been doing. And why was it different? Well, as you alluded to, right, you and I spent two decades at a, at a database company, right, where in the, in the truest sense, the database would have 
a specialization in terms of either being a transactional store, perhaps we had an analytics store and we had different products, right? I mean, I remember there was a very uh, quite, um, at, I guess at the same time, provocational paper uh, by a Michael Stonebreaker, right? That says one size does not fit all. Uh, and that paper was really defining, okay, right? That it's difficult to have a single different, a single, single database construct rather that allows you to be able to deal with multiple workloads. So, so in many ways, where we were coming from was really on the basis of thinking that you need to have uh, specialized stores and you need to have, for instance, an OLTP database like ASC or an analytics store like IQ or whatever the market had at, at, the, at the potential time. And once we realized that HANA's big simplification that was going on around the consolidation of different workloads, so first and foremost, talking about different workload profiles, which in itself is a holy grail in, in database and data management, right? Because if you think about the analytic queries versus the OLTP queries, different concurrency models, different ways of actually being able to do transactions and locking theories. You take a look at the resource requirements. One is, of course, is very autonomous, atomic in its nature. The other one could be very substantial, typically where, you know, the, the, the killer of all applications, of course, was a table scan. And we looked at this and, and I remember vividly thinking to myself is what have they done that's going to make sure that all of these problems that we know about and known about for many, many years, that in some ways they're going to be able to remedy them. So, Neil, that was my kind of opening thoughts around what I thought about HANA at the time. And then we can maybe delve into what the real kind of real secret source of HANA has become. But I think ultimately at that time, it was much more about trying to understand how is SAP cracked the code? That was really my kind of first emotion that I, that I remember going through my mind. Yep, I was in the same place. I mean, the, 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 you alluded to the secret sauce. The big thing here was in memory and the performance to, uh, changes that made. I mean, the reason that we had two separate classes of database was because trying to get data off a disk um, was so time consuming that you built your whole engine and data strategy around what bit of data do you did you want to do next or what action did you want to perform next? And, uh, you know, transactions are very different from analytics and, you know, that, that, that hardware issue. I mean, you think about it 10 years ago, our fan, you walked into a, you walked into a data center and everything was, was, semiconductors and electronic, except for these disk drives that were mechanical technology from the early 1900s, you know, the same type of technology. It had to go, but, you know, it really swept through the market in the last 10 years. And it allowed that, you know, that artificial divide between, well, when I enter a transaction and then I want to look up, you know, that transaction in context, I need two separate copies of the data and two engines. And it said, wait a minute, you don't, you need to see one copy of the data and one engine. I think that's the, the that for me was the big driver. And Hassel yeah. saw that and wrote a book about it. Yeah, no, I absolutely. And actually, maybe just picking up on a, on a couple of points here. So yes, it was an in-memory database, but frankly, in-memory databases weren't necessarily new. There'd been a, a whole slew of different databases that were claiming True. to be in-memory prior to HANA's existence. And, and, and of course, even today. The other part of it was around, you know, when we talk about different workloads and yeah, I mean, Every database, traditional relational databases, employed some level of in-memory, right? They had typically caches, and you would have to, in many ways, actually know what data you wanted to lock and pin into cache, and then you would go about it in a way that you kind of made sure that you prefetched the data, you essentially ran particular queries to warm up the caches, bring in the data into mass kind of RAM disks effectively in memory, and then you'd get a certain type of performance profile. The real secret source for me around HANA was really, as you, as you described it, 
the one copy of data being maintained, not multiple copies where you have to retrieve data off a physical device, a physical spinning disk, bring it into memory, provision that data. The second part was around, you know, in terms of the, the, benef the benefits, right, of actually having compression in memory, right? So you talk about a column store and a row store elegantly working together where the column store would be able to fa facilitate all of the levels of, of the analytical workload requirements, having a delta cache, right? So you knew immediately as soon as a transaction occurred and actually being able to then perform the analytics on that live transactional data. And once again, the list goes on. But I mean, I think they were the sort of the key hallmarks. But realistically speaking, that's just a technology value add. Where the foundation of HANA really got to the next level of maturity for me was when I started seeing the adoption of HANA by SAP and the rewriting of SAP, starting off with Suite on HANA, then very quickly going to S4, where we were able to take this kind of virtual red pen and just cross out massive levels of duplication because the lack of you know, overlapping queries that would come along and look at the same data sets, right? You had one copy of the data and you were essentially able to have a far more greater level of looking at that data from multiple levels of nesting of the same views virtually in memory. That's really where the value add came from, the native exploit of using HANA. And SAP was the biggest proponent of doing that. Exactly. So. 10 years ago, SAP HANA was released. Its in-memory capabilities allowed it to merge together the workloads that typically have been split between transactions and analytics. And we forget 10 years ago, but business used to be done slowly by today's standards. It used to be hours or days before, you know, whole business processes could complete. But you know, 2010 was the cusp of when the, the, the internet was just changing everything. Customers' expectations of real-time um, interactions and real-time business was coming to the front. And HANA was uniquely positioned because of its in-memory technology and the things that we've just talked about to deliver that. So where have you seen big advances with real-time business, with the impact that HANA's had on businesses around the world? I mean, firstly, I mean, HANA in the, in the last 10 years has done, gone, on, gone on a tremendous uh, run where we've got, you know, tens of thousands of customers now running HANA. And of course, there's a, there's a, a seed to, to HANA's uh, entry into the market, and that was the replatforming of SAP applications. So we see a tremendous value add with the simplification of the business suite and many, many customers running S4 with a high degree of efficiency in that real-time mode, you know, whether it's in the supply chain or manufacturing or health or re you know, retail, wherever it might be. But where I kind of look at the, the use cases of HANA is where customers had a very substantial ERP core, but then around the periphery, they had tremendous amounts of data that were being cre created either by new use cases, new data sources, or for that matter, even existing users, okay, right, that were just expecting to hold a lot more of the same data, right? So in, from a, a hierarchical perspective or historical perspective. And where HANA's now use case, and I see this, like NHL, for example, is a great example. So the National, National Hockey League, right, in the US, I recently looked into their advancement, and we'll come on to this in just a moment, in terms of how they've now gone full circle, not just from HANA on-premise, but HANA Cloud as well, right, which is the latest innovation. I'd love to, to share my points of view on in a moment. But look, reality is, NHL, why did they adopt HANA? Because if you think about the fan experience, right, you think about the way that we like to watch sport and looking at all of the instantaneous level of 
detail and value add that you can get from within a game actually being played out, knowing exactly the, the, the past performances of the player, the team on a particular surface and a particular climate in a particular you know, setting, you know, you've been able to get all that kind of information. And now what you can essentially do is because of the foundations of HANA being able to do large levels of, of on the fly kind of real time virtualization, visualization on data, that's where the real benefits come from. And many, many customers have taken the NHL example where fast agility in terms of data processing and being able to look at real time information in a very, very short period of time over a longer time period. That, that's really where the value has been coming from. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's funny, we've got two great sporting examples. We've got the SAP, uh, the San Francisco 49ers as well. I almost said the SAP 49ers there, getting too excited. We're not quite there yet. The, the San Francisco 49ers, and they've got this, you know, executive huddle. They can watch in real time what's happening throughout the stadium. I mean, literally down to is, you know, are all the stations clean? Are there longer lines at some places and others? Are the fans getting in? The fans can can you know feedback and in real time they can monitor everything that's going on in their stadium to maximize the fan experience so this ability to do things in real time really has um, really has changed business as we know it um, so the we've seen the the, the change in um, you know in the, the real times brought to our customers um, what 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 were the challenges that the data challenges that we've overcome for our customers? Is it scale? Is it speed? Is it you know latency? Where are our customers you know seeing this this change in how their end users get get more data, right time, right place? I mean, firstly, if you look at the the movement of of customers' journeys around data, let's call it the data data journey that they're on, uh, and and the data strategy that they're on. Many customers have been spending a significant amount of time trying to get data under management. And more often than not, they've invested in some kind of a data lake. Perhaps they've gone into some speciality store, maybe even in the hyperscaler environments. So that sort of management of data, the hoarding aspect of data, everybody would have like a, an A star in hoarding data and storing data. The problem is that majority of customers, once they hoard and store the data, what do you do with it, right? This is really where the big kind of unknown comes in, in terms of what the business value are, values are and what the benefits are. This is where comes, you know, very significant compute foundation like HANA, where now you can, afford, of course, have the ability and the benefit of having HANA's compute layer, where you could take a look at data coming from different environments, whether that's connected through interfaces like, you know, through a Hadoop HDFS environment, whether that's you know, flat file data, you know, whether it's relational data, having the ability even from an on-premise HANA perspective and now also from a HANA cloud perspective, which we're really excited about, is having a gateway driven approach to processing all your data and not having to physically collect and just hoard data, but physically connecting to data and being able to do all that, those kind of very significant analytics, the predictive value of data, looking forward as much as looking backwards, and then analyzing data in a way that is actually completely uh, untowards from a, from a typical user perspective. No IT intervention, no need for actually getting a, a report, you know, almost uh, procured and then provisioned. It's essentially whatever the user wants. A power user is playing away in a sandbox that gives them unfettered access to data. And I think HANA has been a, a tremendous enabler of that, that level of freedom around data. You and I have talked, this, this brings us back to some interesting points. You and I have talked about how 
you know, there should be one data space, one, you know, here's all my data and here's how I access it. Just one place to access all the data you need and get it to the right person at the right time. We see many organizations that have got fragmented data. For example, um, the uh, Providence St. Joseph Health Organization, they were, are a very successful uh, healthcare organization in the United States and they acquired some new hospitals. And of course, you know this story, Irfan, you acquire the new hospitals, you get all their systems and all their data. And they used HANA to bring together data from seven different systems, bring it together, and were able to, to take all of that data and get health records to the doctors at the right time in the right place in a secure fashion. And, uh, you know, so that's just a, a that, that's, that's, uh, you know, putting a nail in the point that it's about bringing the data together and getting it to the right people, as you said. And um, uh, Providence and Joseph's Health has saved at least $6.5 million in just one project here. And uh, they're supporting 11,000, 11, 111,000 caregivers across the United States in the middle of a pandemic. So th this, is, this has real-time, real-world implications when you bring the data together. So we've seen that HANA has revolutionized the way that data is handled, the way that workloads are handled. It's come and it's brought about a wave of real-time data and bringing data together and giving unprecedented access to data for end users. Where are we going? I know that we've come, you and I came from Sybase and I know there's some great things happening for our Sybase communities. Maybe we can talk briefly about that. Sure, and I can maybe touch those two questions in, in one, right? So where are we going and how does Sybase fit into that? Because I think it's important maybe to give positional and situational value. So where we are with HANA is, of course, this last 10 years has taught us is that HANA gives an immediate value. Uh, it's, it's first day value, not first day costs in many situations. And the benefit of that value is that, you know, ROI is, is almost immediate, right? Because you could either simplify your architecture, simplify your landscape, do away with redundancy of data because you can only, you know, you only need to store one copy of that information and, and be much, much more agile. But where we've essentially also re reached a level of, of understanding is the dogma of having a single in-memory store where all data is stored in memory isn't necessarily going to be the way that's going to win every single scenario and every single use case. It's very applicable to many, but it's not going to be the one de facto model for all. So therefore, we've gone through a, a somewhat of a transition, maybe to step back to before I step forward. You know, we looked at uh, opportunities, maybe BW workloads, right? Many customers running BW and introducing an airline store so that they could take advantage of offloading data, maybe archiving data unnecessarily that was clogging up the operational system. And we realized that that had benefits. It certainly gave a lot of uh, value add in terms of economical value. But therefore, then you take a look at the, the cost association. You still needed to know when to run these policies to push the data in or out. So therefore, the evolution of HANA to become much more capable of running like a traditional database in many ways, having a, a native storage extension. So you could page information in and, in, in and out when as you didn't need it and when you required it. So this is really the evolution that took place in on-prem HANA. And we've taken that work, that body of work, and really done a very, very substantial uplift in terms of HANA value into the cloud native world. So number one, we chose to go with the hyperscalers. So pick any one of the North America hyperscalers and soon to be in the, in the Far East with, with AliCloud as well. 
we take a look at the separation of a compute layer and a storage layer, which means that bring your own you know, infrastructure, bring your own effectively your mass storage lake, whatever that is, as it was your data lake, Google Compute Cloud with BigQuery, et cetera. And then bringing that compute layer on top and having that single gateway approach to all data where you can connect to all data irrespective of physical locality, being able to do that very significant level of compute with these different workloads, that is a tremendous value add. Now, that's where we're going and that's where we, that's essentially the new blueprint for success. But where does ASC fit into that? And where does you know, traditional Sybase fit into that? Well, the amazing thing is now with this new approach with HANA Cloud is that we're able to use HANA Cloud as a framework, as a foundation layer. So therefore the opportunity to bring in more services like data warehousing cloud, SAC, SAP's analytics cloud, we don't see a scenario where customers want to do, don't wanna do a very significant amount of analytics. And this has given us an opportunity to bring in ASE, right? ASE as a defined service where we're looking to bring this in, in in the first half of next year, working with many, many of our significant financial services customers. The value proposition is immediate. You can lift and shift your existing ASE transactional applications, bring it into the HANA cloud environment, running in an ASE runtime. You could take advantage of your existing store procedures, your rules, your you know, trigger logic. You can effectively have that exact same design to engineered solution from on-prem running as a fully managed cloud offering, being managed by SAP, managed by HANA cloud. And then of course, you can do a very strong level of integration, not only with the HANA cloud services that I just described, but also with the relational data lake, which is built around IQ technology. So you could have actually a very significant movement and interaction between ASC and IQ and Rep Server and all the other sort of products that many of our Sybase customers have been using for years and years and years. So Neil, I couldn't be more excited to say HANA has a vibrant future and a significant roadmap ahead. And ASC and Sybase is a material part of that with new workloads being able to be subsumed inside of the HANA Cloud Foundations as well now. Exactly. So for our Sybase customers, so the ASC customers, the IQ customers, as you say, they have the ability now to move into the cloud and get all the advantages of cloud storage and compute and expandability and so on, elasticity, as you said, uh, both for our ASC and our IQ customers. But it works both ways, as you said, bringing the, the, some amazing pieces of that technology, you know, for instance, the IQ customers that that technology is powering our data lake so you can build data lakes with the an iq if you remember i think to this day still has the guinness world record for the largest uh, single data warehouse at uh, about 12.1 petabytes this is significant technology so this is not just value to our, our sybase customers this is value to every single hana cloud customer getting access Absolutely. to some great technology there and then, of course, with HANA Cloud, uh, we know that the cloud is changing business. Uh, you and I have been talking about this for many years. And just the same way in 2010, there was an inflection point where we went, business went from being batch to being real time. In 2020, we're living through the inflection point where businesses go from data centers to cloud. And that's going to change the world. We don't know how. If we did, you and I would be on private islands in the Caribbean somewhere. <laughs> but uh, if we could see the future. But it is going to be a future. And as you said, HANA Cloud is going to take, is going to deliver that future for our customers. So any last comments, Irfan? Well, Neil, firstly, I mean, it's great to spend some time with you. I mean, we have a, a long, long history and, and great, great friendship going back all these years. And maybe I'll have a question to you, right? Is if you think about 
the the entry point, the onboarding into into SAP over a decade or so ago now. I mean, what's your abiding memory? I mean, I, did you think we'd be here ten years later? I certainly didn't think we'd be here ten years later because I thought we were joining an apps company. But innovation is still <laughs> rife, and uh, data management and HANA is very much alive. And the the coupling of all these technologies into our new business technology platform is certainly giving us a very substantial benefit. Maybe from your, the final word from you, if you kind of look back and thought to yourself, right, that this was where we're going to end up, what would you, would you be pinching yourself now? Or would you, would you, you know, firm, firmly understand that this is exactly the journey SAP should have been taking? Um, I, I think it's the right journey for SAP. I think it was a surprise for me, like you. Um, I'd spent four years building applications and then three years uh, implementing PeopleSoft applications. So I had an application background. So I really was surprised, therefore, and I thought I was going to be, okay, I better dust off all my application uh, skills, you know, after about uh, seven or eight years of just focusing on database. So pleasantly surprised that uh, SAP has become such a dominant player in the database world. And, uh, and you know, that combination of skills, and, and I've known you for a long time, you understand the business value and the business processes, as well as you've, uh, as you've demonstrated in this podcast, understand the in-depth, um, you know, uh, bits and bytes of the, the, the database world. So, yep wouldn't you know futures always holds a surprise so just take a positive attitude and look for the best it'll turn out that way so thank you um so thank you very much Irfan. thank you to our audience and remember this is the first of a series of podcasts um episode two is let's talk hannah customer perspective episode three let's talk hannah partners make a difference and then lastly episode four hannah and hannah's impact on SAP itself. You can sign up for these um, uh, podcasts and you can also sign up for TechEd in early December. Uh, This is going to be an online version of TechEd so it's open to a much wider audience and also you can sign up for the business technology platform news and I'm sure that we can uh, we can get the information on that to you. With that thank you very much everybody and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for fun. Thank you Neil.